Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 208. Uh, hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where sometimes we just have a bad mask day, you know? I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and yeah, today, like, it just wasn't sitting right, it was tugging at my ears in all the weird ways, you know what I'm talking about, but yesterday I had a really good mask day, so the good comes with the bad. Today, we're gonna talk about opening schools, we're gonna talk about statues, we're gonna talk about the Supreme Court, uh, so I am so excited about the panel that we have today. Returning to the show, and doesn't he always, uh, he is a writer, he is a comedian. I've seen him kill around the country. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces, not a big deal. Uh, he is the wonderful Benari Lee Poulton. Hey, Benari. Hey, Nagin. So happy to be back. And for the first time on the show, but not for the first time on Earwolf, because he is the host of another Earwolf podcast called Culture Kings, which you should absolutely be subscribing to. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's so fun. He's so funny. You guys, it's Jaquise Neal. Hey, Jaquise. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? How are you? Thanks for having me. You know, you guys both seem like pretty fucking upbeat for uh, for a pandemic, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. You gotta be. You gotta be. It's the only way to be. do a pandemic. <laughs> and also, you just said, you know, I'm an actor, so, you know, I know how to act. So uh... Act like you feel good, and eventually <laughs> like you, feel you great. will. That's right. You can use this for your reel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're recording this, right? We video. 
<laughs> how many reels are gonna just be fucking Zoom calls from now on? <laughs> See my work in this amazing conference call that Oprah dubbed. <laughs> yes. Not to miss. Um, okay, uh, let us get into a topic number one. So, um, I want to talk about opening schools. Uh, We just found out in New York City that the public schools will only partially reopen. Attendance will be limited to one to three days a week, Uh, which is funny because this came just a day after Betsy DeVos, Donnie's education secretary, um, told all the state's governors that she expects schools to be fully operational by fall. Um, So I guess... What's going on? Uh, and is, is I mean, is New York City not listening to Betsy DeVos? That seems <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> Bonari, what's happening with schools? Uh, sh- do you think they should reopen? What's wh- What are your feelings? Well, I think they're trying to piecemeal this, right? I, I You know, I've seen a number of plans on the table, and I don't think anyone knows what September is going to look like. I know that everyone knows we have to have school for for children in some format. Um, I think we want to be able to send the kids to school, but a lot of the plans I've seen are are like the worst version of every possibility. So it's like, look, we'll send your kids to school for like two and a half hours a day, but it won't be the same two and a half hours as as anyone else's day. And the teachers will (laughs) be there like 50 hours in the day and no one wears masks, but maybe they will. And everyone runs around and then, you know, everyone licks a pole at the end of the day and then we're fine and herd immunity or some (laughs) shit like that. So, you know, I I think that there's, 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 there's too much uh, unknowns at the, at the moment to really make a definitive answer. In my opinion, you know, we don't know what, what September is going to look like. And it's almost like, look, we're going to be doing zoom school until we have a vaccine. And if, uh, if we can get kids in schools faster then yay. But until then, you know, plan on zoom school. Uh, Jaquise, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's wild. I mean, listen, I don't have children, so I don't really have a dog in this fight as far as, man, I got to get these kids out the house. You know, like I I get that. I 100% get that. I do have cats, though. And, um, you know, listen. And Zoom Zoom school is not working on the cats. Zoom school is not working for the cats, man. I'm tired of them meowing at me for hours on end. (laughs) But it's wild because, like, I, I I can only imagine for teachers... They don't, I mean, listen, teachers who teach, uh, first of all, they don't get enough credit, they don't get paid enough, but also they don't want to have to deal with kids all day saying, put your mask back on, stop touching your face, put your mask back on, (laughs) stop touching your face, you know? So it's so weird that we're just kind of like leading from behind. And I know there are other countries who are, the schools will open in fall, but they also have a much better handle on the pandemic than we do. Right. And- right. you know, I think we just have to be okay with the fact that this is a lost year. <laughs> like, this is uh, kind of almost like, in my opinion, this is a lost year. And we're just going to, we're going to have to reset because we don't know. That's the thing. We Like like Benari said, we don't know what September is going to look like. So how can we be planning for something in September and then by the time August 31st gets around, we're like, ah, actually, y'all can stay at the crib. Go ahead and pop open the Zooms. Uh, it's wild. I, I, I think that we should just almost have a wait and see approach and 
the only plan is Zoom school. That's the only thing that they can do. <laughs> like, other than that, wow, it's crazy. I I disagree with you guys. I mean, we read a piece in, in The Atlantic by Emily Oster, and she talked about some findings uh, from the past few months that that basically point out children are the least affected group. Uh, we knew, we've sort of known that. More studies continue to confirm that they are less likely. I mean, now I'm reading from the article. They are less likely to contract contract the disease, and if they do contract it, they're more likely to have a mild or asymptomatic case. Death rates are much lower. The evidence doesn't mean that kids can't get sick um, or cannot fall seriously ill, but that other adults are far more susceptible. And she also pointed out that. Um, you know, we've got other countries' data to work with because other countries have reopened schools. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the Netherlands, uh, it, there there's a study that says children are relatively unlikely to be the index case in their families. So they're not like big transmitters in general. Mm, right. um, in France, Germany, and Denmark, they reopened schools and they didn't find any super spreader events from school reopenings. Like, did they find like cases? Yes, they found cases, but they they weren't like factory worker cases where like there's that where it becomes a super spreader event or a bar in Florida that becomes a super spreader event, right? Like that's not what's happening. Well, and so I think in, in and I have a kid. Right. <laughs> Look, as as a as a parent here, you do have a dog in this fight. So uh, so I think right. that that's an important distinction to make, but I also just want to say all the things that you're talking about are when it's done correctly. When it's done smartly. That's also true. And I don't think anyone has any faith right now that however it's going to be done, it's going to be done right or smart. Uh, and I think that this right. is the problem that we're, we're running into. What it needs is a unified front. You need you need right. consistent messaging. You need consistent guidelines and standards. You need to make sure that the teachers are protected, the administrators are protected, that uh, there are uh, health standards that are enforced. Now you're introducing uh, not just children into the mix, but their parents. And, you know, God forbid a kid comes home and there was some altercation and now you have parents in the mix and now they're accusing this and now it's a health violation and whatever. Whatever, whatever. Now the schools, there's liability problems. And I agree. You know, I think that the article points out how it can work when when the community is committed to making it work. But I have to see that here in America first before we're ready to take the next step. We need to get everyone on board with at least wearing masks you know, as a baseline. Right. And then we can start talking about, okay, now the kids can be in school because I agree. I think that it is relatively safe if it's done in a in a uh, well-handled way. Well, let me make another argument for this. So my alma mater, Cornell University, mm. go Big Red. Woo! Oh. Um, they decided to... <laughs> Did I also go to Columbia for grad school? It's not a big deal. I just have a few Ivy League degrees. We don't need to talk about it. You guys, stop it. No, um, no, no. Go talk, but... talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but Cornell is reopening in the fall, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they, what, what they found, um, they had a bunch of researchers, probably some of the best people in the country, right? They're a fancy school. They've got a lot of fucking money. And they found out that um, they concluded that if with nominal parameters, an in-person semester would result in 3.6% of of the campus population becoming infected. Um, But with an online semester, it would result in about 1,250 people getting infected, whereas an online semester would result in 7,200 infections. And the reason they figured that out is because they did a bunch of surveys of what would the students do, and a lot of them would come to Ithaca anyways. And what they realized was having the school open as an institutional interface that can control the behavior of students made the students safer. 
right? And that, I think, is something in the absence of a federal government that's doing anything, school districts can be that safe interface, I think, for families, right? Mm -hmm. Like, your kids are coming to school. This is our testing regime. This is our mask protocol. Right. This is and then and because they're monitored by an an inter an institutional interface, then they're going to be they're actually going to follow the rules. Whereas you can think of like a teenager running around and their parents just have. What can they really do in every in, in every situation? Whereas I think they would be safer at school. I 100% agree with. I I think in theory, if this is like you both are saying, if this is done right, then I think the controlled environment of a school where we know where you are, we know the protocols that you're following, we know we're going to make you follow this for eight hours of a day or however right. long people go to school for you're nowadays. Right. But like. We know you're going to follow this. My hesitation is, you know, I live in Burbank and I can go to one restaurant and nobody's social distancing. The people aren't making you wear, the Mm. employees aren't making you wear your mask, even though you're supposed to. Uh, I can, you know, I'll go down to Orange County and they look at you like a zebra if you're wearing a mask. So it's just like, like Benari, like Benari said, when we have so much of the ununified message, not only from the right. government, but from society too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I can you imagine the kid in school with all that hormonal rage of being a teenager <laughs> who <laughs> yeah, also yeah. thinks, I don't have to wear a mask. My mom said masks are stupid. And now, right. I mean, like, oh my... I, I can only imagine how many people are going to be giving hands to each other in school because, like, somebody just decided I'm going to cough in your face to be an asshole. You know, like, it's I, those type of things scare me. And I don't know if, like, that's necessarily a, a place to approach this from as fear is. I don't think it is. But I do think that we need to have the unified message. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that that also requires the correct people at the table making these decisions. And that's not just parents and that's not just teachers. Uh, uh, Janitorial services need to be at the table. Uh, The bus services need to be at the table. There is an entire infrastructure in place. And what is, okay, so what does busing now look like? And this can't be used as an excuse to exclude certain kids. So it's going to be easy for some kids to get to school. And now are we leaving other kids behind? Are we creating a gap there? Are we creating a uh, a cultural gap? Are we creating an economic gap for kids? So not every kid has the same access to, uh, to, uh, to you know, to, to, to great schools is everyone. You know, we saw this just with the school lunch program. How many kids in this country relied on school so that they could eat? Yeah. So so we have we have so many institutional problems and we have so many right now uh you know, you know, just health problems. And and all of that comes with okay, who's sitting at the table? Who's making who are making these decisions and and we need all the community to come together for this. And that's what I would like to see, not just someone at the top, a superintendent saying, get the kids back in school, make it happen, I don't care how. 
Um, it's funny that you should mention like janitorial staff and stuff like that, because in Sweden, um, they found that preschool and high school teachers are actually less likely to get coronavirus than the average population. (laughs) (laughs) What? Middle school, though, you're fucked. Um, and then the highest group. They're crawling with COVID in middle school. They're just crawling with it. It's like the worst age group in life. And then also such a, um, a more high risk coronavirus group. The highest risk group here, though, are drivers of tax taxis and buses in particular. Um, so again, if we're talking about school buses, how are we protecting those drivers and what's the protocols and all that stuff? And I I mean, look, guys, fuck, you know, I agree that there is no, the problem is that there is no national approach to a national problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we know the reason the, for that. <laughs> and we know the reason for that. We've The fucking reason for that is if I can, Mary Trump told us we fucking put a guy in office who fucking paid someone to take his SATs for him. Ah, anyway. Um, that guy wasn't so, showing up to school before the pandemic, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. And how much he pay that? How much he pay that person to do his SATs? I tried to pay somebody to do mine, and it was expensive, man. I couldn't afford oh, it. Uh, I'm, yeah. joking. I'm I mean, joking. I'm joking. I know. Did. Could you imagine he he like did like like the contractors that built his hotels? He actually never paid that guy. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. Um, so let's before we move on from this topic, though, I really want to quickly talk about how ICE ICE, I guess, has felt you know, because there's been very, very, very little border activity and immigration. Mm. So ISIS maybe felt just like a little bored, like they don't know what to do with themselves. So one thing they cooked up is they're revoking visas for international students who are going to colleges um, and universities here in the United States if their courses are online only in the fall. Um, They're given the option of transferring, you know, because it's like so easy to figure that out now. Uh, So to a school that's doing um, in person. Does this uh, rule make sense to you? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what? No. Leading question. <laughs> what? No. Well, well, let me be devil's advocate. No, it, does, it makes no sense. It makes, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking how much we'll use, you know, something that is catastrophic in many ways, uh, for our own self for well not our but how some of those people will use it for their own self-interest and i mean like (laughs) it is is really disappointing to know that man not only do we not care about how the pandemic is going as a federal government but how can we use it to our advantage uh you know it's it's (laughs) it doesn't give me any it, it just truly whenever i get a glimmer of hope I, you know, like that whack-a-mole game, you pop up, I pop up with a glimmer of hope and then somebody hammers my ass back <laughs> down into the game. Uh, and it's, 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 it's devastating to even think that that is on the table. You know, I want to point out to you, but right before the pandemic, though, one of the last gigs I did was at... Um, at the University of Iowa, and uh, and it was the kind of gig where um, a ton of people, a, 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 a ton of people came out to see me, and I was a one person super spreader because after the show, <laughs> I shook hands with, took photos with, signed the books of like maybe eight hundred people. So much humble bragging <laughs> happening here right no, now. I know. I mean, I know. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys, educated. Um, I'm signing autographs. The thing they is that, they like, could keep their hands off me in career. Iowa. <laughs> I'm so popular in a really small region of the country. Uh, no, but it, but it was I was just laughing because literally two weeks later everything shut down and I was like I 
if I have COVID, I gave it to everybody, you know, <laughs> um, but not laughing, you know, I was uh, nervous, but I didn't have it. So it doesn't matter. But um, what was I going to say? My point was when I was there, I met a bunch of uh, international um, students from Iran and they were super delightful. They had this like you know, there's, I don't know, 20 of them. And, uh, they, you know, they were just so friendly and so welcoming and so helpful. And they're very, they're not able to fly back and forth to Iran. So like at Christmas, when everyone's like, I'm going home, those students, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of countries, aren't going home. A, it's too expensive. B, they're afraid they can't come back into the country. There'll be some reason that they won't be allowed back in. So there's so many reasons why an international student doesn't actually go and come and come and go and do all of that stuff. Like when they're here, they're here. Even if a semester's worth of school is online, they're still here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's... uh, it's baffling. This this particular ruling is baffling. And I do want to give you a glimmer of hope, Jackie's, because Harvard and I think a couple of other schools, including MIT, are suing yes, um, ICE over this. And so th- I don't think this will stand. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't have faith that it'll stand either because it's just so asinine. Even people who are like even people who aren't necessarily, you know, pure of heart are like, come on, y'all. Like, yeah. come on now. Come on now. <laughs> like Damn, give us like y'all can't go this far, man. We shit, yeah, yeah, we gotta yeah. hide in the darkness some way. <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't change the fact that this is the cruelty of this administration. You know, it's yeah. no one is surprised. As soon as you know, as soon as as the pandemic hit, it's like, well, how are they going to use this to hurt people uh, and make it worse for 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 people they don't like? And the thing that baffles me is it doesn't even make economic sense. And it yeah. doesn't. And it no. doesn't. You know, these are these are people who are coming here. They're they're contributing. Paying rent. They're paying. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're paying into the economy. They're they're being made better. And in this time of a global pandemic, when we as uh, uh, the human race are going to have to come together as uh, in a uh, in a unified way to combat what's going on and to, and to figure out ways. This is a wasted opportunity. You have you have kids from all over the country, the best and the brightest we're talking about, who can come and and work together and set standards and and share knowledge together and and set the standard for how this can be done and how we can succeed together. And it's just across the board uh ridiculous that they would even make this decision. shittery. Um, All right, you guys, let us move on. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to hear about our sponsors, whomst we love. Mm. And uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about SCOTUS. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, educational, app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. 
And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the apps features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We are back and we're ready for topic number two. So um, just before we started taping, we got two decisions from the Supreme Court. So we're just going to riff on them because we haven't had much time to read about what they really mean. But in the first one, the court upheld a Trump administration regulation that lets employers with religious objections limit women's access to free birth, limit women's access to free birth control uh, under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, so the ACE, just just a little background here. The ACA requires coverage of preventative health services and screenings for women. Um, and then the following year after that passed, the Obama administration required employers and insurers to provide women with coverage at no cost for all methods of contraception approved by the FDA. Uh, so the Trump administration took the position that the re that religious employers um, say said that re requiring contraception coverage imposes a, quote, substantial burden on the free exercise of religion. And the court has uh, sided with that. And uh, according to government estimates, between 70,000 and 126,000 women could lose contraceptive coverage from their employers. Uh, it was a 7-2 to two decision, which means Elena Kagan did not vote on the side of uh, these protections. So that's interesting. Um, what do you feel, think, t feelings, Jackies? Um, it's... It, it, 
it 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 just baffles me that this is even an issue um especially of religion and look i grew up in a very religious family i I grew up in black church all right so uh (laughs) you know religion is a is is a fear tactic and in the church where i grew up so you know i i'm speaking to this from experience um the fact that you know, I, I can't speak to the religion thing because they're going to believe what you want to believe. But the simple fact that since I've been a child, one of the things, one of the first things that I learned was separation of religion and state. Yep. <laughs> and 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 this just seems like a complete F you to that model that doesn't have any basis of defending like if you if it is a separation between religion and state, then how can you give religion uh, or religious uh, you know companies or or business owners the right to say we are going to stop you from getting your state mandated <laughs> contraception because we don't believe that you should be having sex before marriage, or we don't believe that you should be doing anything to prevent uh, childbirth. But then on the same token, if, you know, you have a child and you can't, you know, afford it or pay for it, and it was like, well, shit, that's your problem. You shouldn't have been having mm-hmm. sex. Like, it's just, it's, it's a, I, 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 there is no leg to stand on in the argument. None of it makes sense. Well, and from an equal access point of, uh, just in terms of, uh, if we're just talking about, access to healthcare, this, you know, only affects women. You know, this yeah. is, this is something that, um, that affects women, uh, and impacts them. And just, just in terms of that, 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 you know, that should be, that should be thrown out. But the fact that we have to, you know, freedom of religion doesn't mean the freedom to enforce, uh, your religion on other people, you know, and if you want to do that as a private institution, that's fine. But when it comes to something that's all of ours in healthcare, um, what the specifics of that healthcare are, it's no one else's business. It's between you and your doctor, and then that's mm-hmm. it. Okay, so the access to healthcare is is yours as an American citizen, and then and then that's it. And if you want to be a private entity and you want to, you know, you want to say, okay, I as a as this private entity, I don't want to offer this type of healthcare or whatever. Fine, but then you don't get government money. Then you don't get money from us. You know, we pay into the system. And um, I want to actually before because what you're saying also resonates with the second decision that we got from the Supreme Court today, which is that uh, they ruled that federal employment discrimination laws do not apply to teachers whose duties include instruction in religion at schools run by churches. And so uh, I, I think what's interesting is we're seeing, again, this interesting teasing out of the role of government when it comes to religious institutions. And one of the things that we're seeing, it, Jackie, to speak to your point about the separation between church and state, I think there's a confusion to me that the separation that we're now imbuing to churches is not the separation between church and state. It's we're somehow imbuing onto churches sovereignty. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like some sort of nation state status where they get to make their own 
choices and they're like Andorra or something. You know what I mean? And, and but it's like, thing- that's actually not. So then, so then there's, and, and, and what's really fucked up in these cases with, with the uh, employment discrimination is um, one of the cases was brought by Kristen Beal and she sued under the Americans with Disabilities Act after she uh, learned she had breast cancer and her contract was not renewed. And she has since died. So this is, keep in mind, a church that did not renew her contract because they learned she had breast cancer and she has since died. And this is a fucking church, right? Just like, let's just talk about uh, what a Christian thing that is to do. Um, But but again, this means that now churches can just sort of do whatever. But if this woman had been working, you know, in a public school system, like we couldn't do that. Obviously we can't do shit like that, right? And so this is a like, let churches, to me, this is a like, let churches do whatever. And I mean, mosques and and temples and all of that. I'm, I'm talking about churches in, in a larger but sense. But it's interesting that you say that, Nagin. Um, and, you know, Jacques was saying separation of church and state. When we talk about church, and they make these decisions. The decisions we all know are talking about one type of church, okay? Right. Because I'd love to see a <laughs> yes. mosque try and enforce this. I'd love to see right. a synagogue try and <laughs> right. enforce this. Okay, right. Mayor De Blasio. Well, Mayor De Blasio had 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 riot police in the streets when the you know when synagogues in Brooklyn were trying to defy uh, public orders or or whatever. So yeah. so in terms of what type of church we are talking about, very very specific type of church we're talking about, and again not very Christian to let people die of breast cancer and to not renew their contract and not treat them uh, not not treat them as if they are God's children uh, but but you know these same exact people will go on and on about we can't let Sharia law come come here well what do you think this is what do you think letting the church dictate your your health care or or who gets seen and who doesn't get seen and what type of health care you get you know you want to talk about Sharia law well these these Christian fundamentalists are 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 doing a bang up job of Sharia law right right yeah it's it is you know I I my grandmother, who was very religious, um, at one point was way more religious than she is now. She's kind of calmed down uh, or opened the eyes to what the church can do. And and I want to make this very clear. Um, there is a difference between church and religion. <laughs> um, yes. Like religion, fantastic. But the church can be awful. Uh, the church told my grandmother when she was struggling that they wouldn't write her a letter to get assistance unless she paid her tithes and offering. That's the church. What? That's not religion. That's the church. Yeah. Right. So, like, so we, we have to be very clear that whatever your religion is, fantastic, but the church of control and the church mm-hmm. that preaches prosperity, which we know we love here in America, and the church that preaches, uh, you know, that gives us, gives those uh, certain people credence to their hate, so to say, that's how they operate. And these are the people we are giving the decisions to, like you guys said, sovereignty to, to say you have no, you could do whatever you want. And it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. Yeah. It's so dangerous. It is. It's weird because we're also not recognizing. And again, I, I don't again like I don't want to. I, I think hashtag not all churches, right? Like, <laughs> it's, look, I don't. Some, I mean, look, we're not, some churches might be good, but when they send us their churches, churches they're not great. sending us their best. You know, they're <laughs> <best>. <laughs> but. Um, 
But I do think this is a slippery slope because we're what we're forgetting in these rulings is that these churches are very much a business at the same yes. time. So yeah. they're oper- at, at, and in that that example of your grandmother is a really great one because they want her money f- in order to do s- services. Mm-hmm. Um and that sucks. Uh it in with that particular church. Like look, there are churches in, in my neighborhood that just uh you know, they do food for the homeless, you know, they they're just fantastic. Um right. churches that I really love uh, that really view their role as public servants. Yeah. Um and uh I doubt they're firing people when they learn they have breast cancer. Um but I, but there are churches, but th- again, it's like not all churches are the same and there are churches right. that are fundamentally business enterprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we need to understand how those churches are behaving and w- what their motivations are because they might have exactly the same cap- capitalistic motivations that, you know, fucking Amazon has or whatever um, when they make these kinds of decisions. And that's what we need to be. We need to protect people who are employed by them. Yeah, and, and if uh, you're looking at uh, what a church is supposed to do in the sense of, again, community in helping people, in providing for those uh, who are in need. Um, you know, it just seems antithetical to what, what the mission statement is supposed to be. And the, fa- and the fact that the government's, you know, codifying it, the, the fact that the Supreme Court says, yeah, it's okay, be shitty, you know, because, yeah. it's, in the, because it's in the name of your God. It's I mean, my question, Jackie's maybe... If you have some religious people in your family, you can tell us. There are people that would say, though, that the government should have nothing to do with what churches do, mm-hmm. you know, because because contraception is akin to abortion for some churches. And it's that level upsetting to them, right? And, and I think it might be hard for the three of us uh, to understand, like, that feeling. But, but— there is that feeling for some people that contraception is akin to abortion and abortion yep. is murder, right? So when you really feel like something is murder, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to understand why we should be funding it. Um, yeah, I, you I, say I, that? I, for me, I think, you know, just based on, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say this as a joke, but I also really mean it. Um, you know, like I'll use my grandmother or a lot of multiple people in my family who are now very religious and, you know, the Bible is the, the law. Uh, but I want to be very clear that they rose a lot of hell before they found Jesus. Um, and, 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 and I, and I get, we can change and we can come to the light or whatever, but the thing is you can believe what you want to believe, but what I do is none of your business, Right. Right. And the thing with the and the thing with religious people like this, and I'm speaking from experience, is they think that it is, and it's a control thing. It's a control thing. Right. They they want to control every aspect of your life based on what they view as good, right? And and the fundamental part of this country is that should never be the case. I shouldn't get to control what you do as an individual just because I think you should be doing it, right? And that is a very fundamental block of religion and the church is the control of I am the one who is sitting up high with God and I am the one who can tell you 
what is God's plan. And, and it's, it's egotistical what it is, but it's also very controlling. And I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, but it's also, there's a difference in, um, you know, churches being able to do what, what they want to do. And then churches who have decided to accept federal money. So that's yeah. my money now. That's your money. That's our money. And don't want to adhere to what comes attached to that money. And what, what should be the case is fine, do whatever you want, but then you don't get support from us. And they want it both ways. And and there is a difference in the type of care. I just know that, you know, in in Judaism, specifically from 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 my point of view, life of the mother takes precedent. And it's not the same in all in all types of hospitals. And you know, look, we know that going in, but you know, if you if you want to value the life of the mother, if you want to do everything you can to save the mother, um, you go to certain, you know, you don't go to certain types of hospitals. And some people don't have that choice. And when that choice is taken away from you, when that, uh, then it gets to your point about control. This at its heart is about controlling women's access to healthcare. And all these decisions, all these things, it's not just about contraception and it's not just about abortion. This is really what it comes down to is women in the church's view, in certain church's views, don't have the right to make their own healthcare decisions. And when they do, they shouldn't be given access to it. And they want to limit, if you know, if they can't control their choices, they're going to control their access to that healthcare. And that's just flat out wrong. That's un-American. Uh, we'll end on that's un-American. Um, all right, you guys. <laughs> New name of the show. New name of the show. That's un-American. <laughs> that's un-American! <laughs> Exclamation point. On the CW. <laughs> Uh, let us move on to topic number three. There may be more things that are un-American in this topic uh, because Trump has taken a really hardcore position on statues. Uh, he even gave one of his halting and frankly boring speeches in front of Mount Rushmore. Um, by the way, the speeches are boring because I know even though he's saying incendiary things, he says them in such a shit manner like he's so terrible at reading mm-hmm. um that uh that it's like he can't he does not even like keep my attention um even with all of the uh threats to civil liberties in- baked in them um but uh he's taken a really hardcore position and he did it in a speech in front of uh, Mount Rushmore which is like an interesting set of statues. Well, just, just you know, just to make sure that you have like the whitest of white guys behind you as, <laughs> right, as right, you, right, as you right. know, just want to. Andrew, yeah. Andrew Jackson, they love, <laughs> um, which is a little bit like, why him? Anyway, uh, but are, <laughs> I guess my first question is, are statues like important to Americans? <laughs> uh, listen. <laughs> it's because it's, it looks like there's an entire presidential campaign based on it. So <laughs> the only statues I've ever cared about in my life, it's the statue of Michael Jeffrey Jordan in front of the United Center, the statue mm. of Ernie Banks in front of Wrigley Field, <laughs> the statue of Harry Carey in front of Wrigley Field, and the couple of cows they put up and down the street on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. Other oh, than, I like, love that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, give me a break. It's a fucking statue. Like, first of all, it's a fucking statue, one. It's Second a fucking all, statue. No, it's a th- fucking th- statue. That's all of them. That's all the numbers. That's it. It's a fucking statue. And second of all, it's a statue of some niggas that's been dead for 200 years. Like, what the, what, come on. Like, shit, put up new statues. <laughs> like, yeah. We've had other advancements. Sta- also, all these statues aren't that old. We haven't had them for that long. 
Like, yeah. so, you know, they fucking came up with this, you know, 50 uh, years ago. And our founders weren't big on statues either. It's a, we there's no statue of Washington because the founders were like, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to be uh, making statues of people. We we have ideas. They 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 didn't want kings. They were like, okay, our we we're we're uh, praying to to ideas. We have a constitution. That's we have all it fl- is. we have a flag. We have uh, the Liberty Bell. They had things, symbols, symbolic things. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it was like, hey, we need the statue of Columbus, the guy who didn't even actually found the fucking country. Like, yeah. great. Okay, if a guy you, who can't follow directions. Ever, Perfect. And I think the thing about, like, us not having very many statues is a really important little detail <laughs> about how American democracy manifested itself. Because in if you visit other countries where there are monarchies um, or dictatorships, yeah. you will see nonstop images it's, of the leader, right? Statues yeah. everywhere um, of this guy. Statues yeah. everywhere, huge fucking murals, huge posters. Um, I was in, I remember I was in... Um, where what what which one of the many countries that I've traveled well, to was Turkey, I in? If you, um, if you go to Turkey, if you go to Turkey, I saw. I caught that humble brag. I caught that I humble brag. I know she's an international in traveler. If you didn't know, she has an Ivy League education. Everyone in Iowa wants her goddamn. She got stamps on the passport. I'm pretty moderate in Iowa, um, and uh, yeah, I think I was in Morocco or whatever. But I was just like, man. This thing with images of the leader, mm-hmm. I, I, I like that we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. We do not want these people to have that kind of a status. So in general, my position on statues in the United States context is like, yes, I like history. Yes, I want to know about it. Yes, I think we should commemorate certain aspects of history. Uh, however, um, we these people are not kings. No. Yeah. So they are subject to... Um, our continued judgment of them, yeah. yeah, right. Can I can I make can I speak to two points that you made? Uh, or does any uh, of it have? Does do, uh, do either of your points have to do with what a seasoned traveler I am? Um, that's my third point, and third if we have point. more time, <laughs> okay, I'll, third I'll, third I'll, point. I'll, I'll get Please there. Get to that, I'll yeah. get if there. There's time. Okay. Um, but the first point to the history, I think it is great to honor your history. I think the thing that is the problem with these statues is the history that we're honoring is one very whitewashed, two very, very much lies. Uh, I just found, you know, like I was, <laughs> you know, the whole Washington had wooden teeth. Yeah, and, and, and like, right? And and like, I'm I'm 33 years old. I, I've never really thought how much of a bullshit statement that is. I was just like, oh, Washington got wooden teeth. I've never really yeah. connected it to like that's an asinine uh assessment but that is such a well-known like thing in american yeah. history to make and up it's for like the fact one of the first things you learn yes. as a kid yeah. yeah to make up for the fact that no his teeth were actually pulled from the mouth of slaves yeah. uh like that's how much we whitewashed history that we believe that this man had teeth made of wood that's insane yeah. <laughs> That's insane. That's an insane insane. thing. And then the second thing you know about him is that he chopped down a cherry tree and said, I cannot tell a lie, which also never happened. Like everything we're fucking taught as kids is just a goddamn lie. It's a goddamn lie. So history is so history. So that history leads me to my second point. When you talked about going to other countries and how they have big statues, right? I, I, I think back to when the Saddam Hussein statue fell down. 
and how all yeah. of them celebrated it and how people here in America also celebrated it. Like, yes, take that statue down. But he was a bad <laughs> man, which yeah. he was. The reason that we don't have this, the reason that some people don't have the same feeling toward the statues that we're taking down is because they agree with the things that those person, those people stood for. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like, it's, it's not the defacing of property. I don't, like, I don't, I truly don't care about a Columbus statue, yeah. I, whether it's up or down. I don't care. Like, I think they should be down because of what they represent. But if it's up, I'm not driving past it and shaking my fist. I don't really think right. about it that much. What I care about is the people who subscribe to the racist <laughs> ideals that these statues <laughs> represent. And right. that is what they're fighting. They're not fighting the property. They're fighting the ideals that are falling down. And that's the problem. But the, the reality of... Oh, the, go ahead. Sorry. And I, and I want to make the case about whether or not they're up. It's like, it's sort of, it doesn't affect our day-to-day lives whether or not these statues are up, right? Right. So there is that argument. However, what I think it represents is like, it's 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 a little bit like walking with a tiny tiny rock in your shoe. Mm-hmm. Right? You can walk with a tiny tiny rock in your shoe and you wiggle it around and sometimes you don't feel it at all, right? It's like in the arch of your foot so it's not you're not pushing down on it. But it's in there and wouldn't it be nice if you took it the fuck out so mm-hmm. you could just walk without that little rock in your shoe. And that to me is what these statues are. It's like Tiny reminders, Mm -hmm. even on a subconscious level, you just drive by and you just see the fucking guy and you're like, oh, slave owner or whatever. At a subconscious level, you are sensing that and it is diminishing your your life experience every time. But even if it's just a minuscule amount and we don't need it, we just don't need to have it. No, because if we actually had you know, I don't know, the ability to teach kids history. Maybe we wouldn't need statues to teach them history, you know, or if we actually, if we did the job that we're supposed to be doing, we wouldn't need that. But I don't believe that we should have statues of anyone. Take them all down. Like it's, I mean, especially if you, you, because we know historically, sociologically, when you start putting statues up, what that really means is we're putting a value on that person, what that person mm. represents. And we're saying as a society, yeah, we like what that is or we like that guy. And over time, the context is lost. And then you're just left with the statue. The statue. And yeah. there's a reason why Western, uh, there's a reason why uh, uh, Islam, uh, Judaism, Christianity, it's all found, founded on Abraham smashing statues. <laughs> an idol, an idolatry. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right, I'm pretty right. sure the third command. Anyone who wants to be religious and they're and they're defending statues, well, go fuck yourself. Because like the third commandment is like no graven images. Like as soon as you start making images of people, people start worship worshiping them. You, we already have the golden calf on Wall Street because we know what's important there. You know, and so <laughs> you know this is this is just. This is really laziness. Statues are laziness. It's shorthand to not caring about any sort of contextualization and not concerning yourself with the nuance and the hard work of actually digging in and learning how we got here and and the struggles and the terrible things that were done and the corrections that needed to be made and the things that we still need to do to make things better. But I'm not surprised that Trump is, uh, you know, really concerned with Americans taking down statues of traitors to the union because no one is more traitorous to the, you know, that the only way that guy's getting a statue built of 
him is if they keep, tr- you know, traitors uh, up. So. Well, he has that. He's gonna. He signed an executive order for that garden or whatever, the garden of fucking statues or something. Yeah, the garden uh, of statues. So- <laughs> Maybe he'll be in there. Um, I actually, one piece that I thought was really interesting was from a descendant of Thomas Jefferson who said that like Monticello is a really good monument to Jefferson because it does offer a complete history that really showcases the fact that he was a slave owner that also shows us the the way that his slaves Mm -hmm. lived, who they were, um, that he sold slaves in order to pay off debts. I mean, it it goes into the history and it can do that. It has the space. It has the, you know, it had the thoughtfulness to really create that kind of a monument um, for Thomas Jefferson, his his ability to write the Declaration of Independence and his atrocities against mankind at the mm-hmm. same time, right? Um, and so, uh, but we don't need the Jefferson Memorial because that doesn't do the same job. You know, that becomes like what you said, Benari, just a, a fucking statue with no context right. that we now revere, but we don't even know if we should revere it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess uh, my, my final question for you guys is... Um, who do you want to see up in place of these people or what thing or it, Bernard doesn't want to see anybody. <laughs> do you want to see a thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, sure. do you, what would you ra- like rather see? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, listen, um, I just put statues of all Chicago sports figures all around the world. And, uh, <laughs> I'm good. That's all I need. That's all I need. Because yeah. right, uh, also sometimes I be uh, li- listen. Chicago has a lot of statues, and and I I know that because I grew up. I mean, I was born and raised there. I'm sure L. A. has a lot of statues too that I just don't clock. But Not really, you know, probably yeah, yeah. But like, I, I can't tell you how many statues. If I drive by ten statues. I'm like, I don't even know who these people are, you know? So, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so a lot of times they're just there for no reason. And like you said, like the small rock in the shoe, um, they don't serve a purpose outside of, like, the people who are up here are, keep our statues up. You don't know who those people are. You don't know who most of those statues are. They're <laughs> ugly. They're stupid. They get pitching shit all over them. Like, you don't care. But the people who do care because what they represent demoralizes their existence, then why not listen to them? And the reason Trump yeah, is yeah. the reason Trump is stoking the flames is because he has firmly decided I am going to stoke the flames of white supremacy because that is the only way that I think I can probably go ahead and secure my reelection. And it's yeah. fucked up. And he likes monuments to racism. I mean, there's that as yeah. well. So yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just a fan. But are, do you have anything you would want to see up? Yeah. Replace them all with Baby Yoda. I think that Baby Yoda represents <laughs> uh, spirituality, uh, hope, and optimism yeah. in an uncertain mm-hmm. time. Poor grammar. The, the, forging uh, unlikely alliances between disparate groups of people uh, working for the betterment of something, common goals. Um the force which surrounds us and binds us, just Baby Yoda across the board. Yeah. For a long My time in Chicago, <laughs> for yeah, I just want I don't know I don't know if you guys saw this or seen pictures of it. Before a long time, before I moved to LA uh, seven eight years ago, there was a statue of Marilyn Monroe 
that was like 70 feet tall. <laughs> was, oh, I know and, that statue. Yes. And it was in Chicago on Michigan Avenue for like two years. The one from, uh, what's the movie? Some Like It Hot, I think that's the mm-hmm. name of it. And the, then, right, went, the and then it went to Palm Springs, California for <laughs> yes. a few years. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, that's right. It did statue. come here. It, yeah. it, it was wild because we, <laughs> it's fucked up because it's, it's <laughs> we get why people are doing this because we're disgusting. But like for the only thing people did for that statue was just go up, go under it and then look up like this is why statues shouldn't be up because because <laughs> we're just like, going to look up their dresses. That's all. Look That's up all. their dresses. We're terrible. You know, we're it just terrible brings the worst impulses of us out. It's, it's terrible. Um, my pitch for all of these statues is rotating art installations. Yes. They fucking change every season. Give artists something, you know, a place where they could put work. Give people something to talk about. Like, get people to actually engage in the space as opposed to, like, fucking walk by or drive by and not even notice it. Like, instead, you're like, wait, what the fuck is that? huge flower or whatever the fuck this this thing is. Mm -hmm. So rotating art installations. I'm serious. I think it would be amazing. Listen to me. I love it. More more art and more beauty, less dead dead men statues. I think that's that's a great idea. Especially because you, I mean, you actually gave a real answer as opposed to our Bullshit answers. Uh, uh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm serious I'm about Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda right. is a real answer. Baby Yoda. <laughs> um, you guys, that is the end of the show. Is there anything making you feel hopeful about the pandemic situation that we're in uh, as we wrap up the show, Benari? Uh, I am uh, hopeful that... Um, well, I'm, I'm hopeful that... Uh, in the sense of mortality, you know, um, because it's got to end sometime. So if there's anything the pandemic has, has, has shown me is that, well, maybe, uh, maybe it'll just uh, take care of itself with some of the people who don't want to believe in science. That's the dark hopefulness. <laughs> dark, dark, dark. <laughs> Jesus. Jackie, do you have anything to counterbalance the darkness? <laughs> Um, I think for me, one hopeful thing we've been seeing it and I hope it continues is because of the pandemic, uh, we were really given the opportunity to, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, for instance, uh, I don't think it would have been as large or as big and I don't think it would have been as ongoing as it has been, even though it's slowing down in many ways, but, um, even still, to the degree that is going, even with it slowing down. Uh, I don't think we have that without this pandemic that we're currently in, which is a catch-22 because the pandemic is also disproportionately affecting black and brown people. <laughs> and that's who are, you know, the people out there fighting to say, please treat us uh, equal. Um, but I am hopeful that, you know, it, it, what do they say? It takes how many weeks to form a habit? Um, I don't know. But I am hopeful that... twenty Is it like 21 days or something? Something like that, I right? I can't remember, yeah. but there's something like that, yeah. So I am hopeful that this pandemic has given people the opportunity to really sit down and look within and say, what are we doing? And form these habits that I hope mm-hmm. that when the pandemic is over, keep going. Uh, we'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that. for that. I'm, 21 yeah. days to an anti-racist habit. 
I can I can get behind that kind of hopefulness. I do. I I, I have hope in humanity that that we will learn to prioritize what's really important and and see the value in uh, in the day to day life of what's important. Um, can I just say I I had like a magical evening the other day. I was walking the dog. The baby was asleep. Uh, the husband was at home. I was walking the dog and I went to the, my local park, which is lovely. And there was like a band playing Pink Louds, by the way, if you want to <laughs> check them out on Spotify, they're fantastic. And, um, and you know, people were like super socially distanced, like watching them. And, uh, and then on another side of the park, there was like this f- folk punk trio, like playing music. And then this random woman walked up to them was really enjoying the music and then together they decided to sing like a spiritual and she had this like amazing voice so we heard this like weird punk spiritual and again masks like singing through masks like the whole thing it's socially distant very safe outdoors um and then the fireflies were going and it was just a beautiful scene where i was like yeah people still um People know how to to live a life, uh, you know, with their neighbors. And I think that's beautiful. It gave me hope. Uh, All right. Well, what I would like for the people to know is where to find you and all the wonderful things that you do. Benari, where do they do that? Uh, Just follow me on Twitter at Benari Lee. Uh, Also the same on Instagram. And uh, yeah, you can probably find me on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that Zoom Reels. Them Zoom Reels. Them Zoom, Zoom Reels. <laughs> Jackies, where do they find you? Uh, you can find me on everything at Jackies Neal, J-A-C-Q-U-I-S-N-E-A-L. Uh, and yeah, check out Culture Kings on Earwolf. Uh, you know, we be, getting, we be getting wild and crazy on there, so it's a, it's a fun time. Oh, my God, you guys. Definitely check out Culture Kings. Uh, you know where to find me and all of the stuff. And um, my latest piece is called The Art of Being Non-Essential in Progressive Magazine. And it's about how comedians and magicians are the least essential workers. Um, and <laughs> Well, I wish you would have told me that before I came out. <laughs> uh, they're not non-essential in Iowa, Nagin. Okay? <laughs> um, also, you can still see uh, my short film called The Morning Papers, Morning as in Green. You can see that at againforsat.com slash stream. Uh, if you tip the filmmakers, proceeds will go to the Actors Fund and the Workers Justice Project. Uh, and um, yeah, you guys. Uh, oh, well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you when I know days. There's things that I'm doing that are going to air, but I don't know when. So it doesn't matter. Again, I'm not essential. So it really especially doesn't matter. Um, what I really would like to do, though, is thank the people that make Fake the Nation happen. That is our fantastic producer, Anita Flores, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music, and Lily Fleshler helps with research. We'd love to hear from you, by the way. You know this. Send us your feedback, topics we should be chatting about, guest ideas you might have. You can leave us a voicemail at 331-901-0005 or drop us a line at comesoffaithinnation.com if you like what you hear leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show we'll be back in your earballs next week thank you 